listener production. All right, today's briefing, we're looking at cryptocurrencies and I guess it's a warning to crypto cowboys that there is a new sheriff in town. Well, not exactly, but the Australian government has come up with a plan to try and stop Australians getting ripped off by dodgy crypto traders. In this episode, we'll find out what the government's plan is and how effective it can really be given that these decentralized digital currencies are literally designed to be outside the control of national governments. We're going to ensure that they have proper dispute resolution processes. We're going to ensure that they have appropriate uh, liquidity, that is enough money on hand to meet current and expected requirements. I'll interview the Minister for Financial Services in the briefing. First, here are today's big headlines. Hey guys, well, US President Joe Biden and Anthony Albanese have just spoken to the media following private talks at the White House. We continue to stand as one to forge a better future for both of us in all the region. So I want to thank you again for being here. Thank you for your partnership and your leadership in this critical moment. The relationship between Australia and the United States has never been more important. And of course, it has never been stronger than it is right now. Yeah, a big love in there. The leaders discussing everything from conflicts in the Middle East and Ukraine to cybersecurity and the growing threat of China. And in a few hours, Tom, Albo will join Washington's elite for a state dinner. Mm. I have heard that this has been toned down um, due to, you know, being respectful of the ongoing conflicts. They were, for example, going to have the B-52s playing, but they've cancelled that now. <laughs> Wow, B-52s. Yeah, maybe not the right um, act. Um, Yeah, this is a huge honour for Anthony Albanese, the state dinner, even a toned down version. This is a thing that very rarely happens and is only held for really close allies. So a big moment for his prime ministership. But yeah, as Joe Biden was saying, the moment we're in really is focusing on the conflict in Israel. And overnight, Penny Wong Um, joined other leaders, including the US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, in calling on Israel to halt the bombing while they allow more aid into the Gaza Strip. So that seems to be a real focal point at the moment. Yeah, and this morning, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu also made a speech saying Hamas is doomed. Uh, Many are seeing this as an indication that Israel is about to start its ground invasion. And the all-important quarterly inflation figure came out yesterday, and it's not good news. It's increased the chance of an interest rate rise at the Melbourne Cup RBA meeting in a couple of weeks. So the September quarterly figure was a 1.2% increase in prices, which was 0.1% higher than what was forecast. So that's the real sort of sticking point there. Um, The price increases were mainly driven by petrol and electricity costs. Um, A higher than expected inflation figure means increased pressure on the RBA to push up rates uh, in two weeks. Here's what the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, said about yesterday's inflation figure. The Independent Reserve Bank Board will speak for themselves. Uh, What I would say is what we're seeing today in these numbers uh, is consistent with expectations. It's consistent with the forecasts that I put in the budget. Yeah, I think what he's doing there is, um, you know, hoping that they don't put up rates because it's just going to increase the pain on anyone with a mortgage and that means political pain as well for the Labor government. 
definitely. Look, one of the really interesting things I found when I was doing a bit of reading yesterday, if you feel inclined, you can have a look at the CPI spreadsheets. What it does is it shows you the price increases over the last couple of years on goods and services. And yeah, okay, housing, obviously most people's biggest monthly cost, not just for mortgage holders, but rent, renters as well. And then fuel. But if you're looking at your bank accounts and you're scratching your head and you're looking at your grocery bill in particular, this is why it has gone up so much. Staples like milk, cheese, bread, eggs, cereals, ice cream, They've all gone up by around 20% since June last year. We just can't avoid this stuff, Tom. We, many of us have to buy these things every week. Yeah. I mean, so we always focus on the interest rates hurting people, but the actual inflation itself is even worse because it doesn't just affect mortgage holders like interest rates. It affects everyone, especially when it, you know, is surging so hard in, in absolute basic essentials. Tilly's fever is reigniting tonight with the Aussie side taking on Iran, ranked 63 for the first of three Olympic qualifiers. The support in this nation now when it comes to this team and, and women's football is, is one of, of the success. Uh, you know, when you measure success, it's not just about results. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a real bright spot in the news cycle for this year. That was coach Tony Gustafsson. A sellout crowd will take to Perth's HBF Arena to cheer the Matildas on. The other two qualifiers will be against the number 44 ranked Philippines and number 38 Chinese Taipei. The Matildas are ranked 11th. Mm. Yeah, I like that point you made there that that was a real bright spot in our year, I guess, as we sort of head towards the end and start reflecting on what the bright spots were and yeah, anytime the Matildas play again, we can probably tap back into that happy World Cup moment. <laughs> there weren't too many other bright spots, were there, in the news cycle at least? Uh, a little bit grim, yeah. All right, I'll catch you later, Katrina. I'm about to interview um, Government Minister Stephen Jones about what they're doing in the crypto space. So, the government have announced they're cracking the whip on cryptocurrency cowboys. They're going to bring crypto exchanges, not the currencies themselves, but the exchanges that people trade them on, under the control of the financial regulator, ASIC. So exchanges holding more than $5 million worth of assets will soon have to apply for a license from ASIC and then adhere to all the laws related to that license. Stephen Jones is the Minister for Financial Services. He's spearheading this new regulation. Stephen Jones, thanks for joining us on The Briefing. Hey, good to be with you. So you've announced the government will step in and regulate cryptocurrencies, and we'll explain how you're going to do that in a moment. But first, what worries you about cryptocurrencies? Well, look, a few things stand out, quite apart from all the consumer issues where people have heavily invested in crypto and seen wild fluctuations. Some may say, well, that's just the inherent nature of cryptocurrencies as an asset. There is that issue. Um, There's what we've seen in the US and elsewhere uh, with the misuse of currencies held in custody and um, the misinvestment and what looks at the face of it to be fraud. So there's concerns about that. And then thirdly, there's concerns around uh, cryptocurrencies being used to facilitate scams and other sorts of fraud and crime. Mm. So there's three things, consumer concerns, systemic issues, and uh, those sorts of things that we've seen in the US. 
they're on the negative side. Um, can I say on the positive side, the government sees a lot of benefits in the underlying blockchain technology. We want to see it emerge, uh, particularly in the area of tokenization and we think with the right sort of guardrails, with the right sort of regulation, we can encourage quality investment in the space. So do you have any idea of, of how many Australians have been burnt by cryptocurrencies or crypto exchanges and how much money Australians have lost? Look, really hard to get a handle on some of this stuff. The tax office tells me that uh, somewhere around 600,000 Australians have at some point in time invested in cryptocurrencies. SwiftX, uh, a well-known platform, tells us around one in four mm-hmm. uh, adult Australians are invested. That's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they're half right, that's a significant number of Australians who've invested. The short answer to your question is it depends when they bought and it depends when they sold as to whether they've uh, lost a lot of money or made a lot of money. Yeah, well, a lot of people got in on that ride or were drawn into that ride sort of heading up to that peak of the Bitcoin price in late 2021 and then it came off hard about 75%. As you say, it's come back a little bit. Does that, I mean, maybe say that it's too late? A lot of people have dipped in and been burnt and got out or do you think it is here to stay and the the sort of value of this currency will continue to grow and therefore be an attractive although potentially sometimes dangerous option for people as an investment class look i think the currency is here to stay but i think where this is going to emerge uh, and where there's really exciting prospects is the tokenization of other real world assets which provides great opportunities for Australians to be investing in different ways, uh, in the same things in different ways and in new things in different ways, uh, which haven't existed prior to the emergence of blockchain. So I think there's lots of exciting possibilities in those areas. And we're also seeing banks and other financial institutions looking at the underlying blockchain technology to do some of their traditional transactions in a way uh, that are either more efficient or safer. Um, Okay. I don't think you have to be a crypto bro uh, to see some exciting Hmm. opportunities in these areas. Well, this next question might give away the fact I'm not a crypto bro, but you you use an interesting phrase there that I haven't really heard before. Um, It was both interesting and something I didn't really understand. Tokenization of real-world assets. Tell me what you meant by that. Uh, So whether it's commodities, uh, the traditional things that Australians uh, have invested in for years, or whether it's shares and equities, whether it's real estate, there is the capacity for tokens to be used uh, in a way uh, to represent an ownership or partial ownership of a real world asset and for those to be traded in a way that other assets and shares and the like are. So I think there's plenty of opportunities in that area. Um, I think uh, we'll see the emergence of that uh, come on quite rapidly. I mentioned earlier that uh, banks are looking at the Reserve Bank at the moment. It's involved in a proof of concept trial around uh, a few use cases for crypto and blockchain technology to see whether it can be used for atomic level transactions, speed transactions, I should say, with you know, sort of normal things that are occurring in the banking world at the moment, whether it's bank-to-bank exchanges or whether it's the payment of superannuation by employers into 
superannuation funds, they're looking at other use cases for the underlying technology um, with a fair bit of optimism. Yeah, I mean, you sounded quite optimistic there. You're talking about the sort of digital representation of of real-world assets like commodities or real estate. But isn't that concerning? Because that would basically lift the the trading of those assets outside of our regulatory systems. And that's the, the challenge with these technologies, that they're decentralized digital representations of real-world value, which means they don't come under the, the normal regulation of markets, say, like our Australian stock market. It's exactly why we need to bring crypto platforms into the financial system regulation, and that's exactly what the government is proposing to do. Uh, We're not going to be focusing on the tokens per se, but the points of exchange and the platforms, and we think that's where the highest risk is, Mm. but I think it's also where, from a regulatory point of view, the greatest value can be added so that people who are engaging in the trade or the tokenization or placing their their currencies or their tokens in custody in one of these platforms can have confidence that they have an Australian financial services license, um, that they're being operated in a way that's honest, efficient, fair and is complying with Australian law. Okay, so that's the big news here that you are planning to regulate the platforms that operate in the crypto markets. So tell us more about that. What sort of platforms will you be able to regulate? How will you regulate them? And is this an acceptance of the reality that there's so much of this space that you can't control? What we've looked at, and we've spent a lot of time looking at this, we've spent a lot of time looking at the underlying tokens, what they do, what the contract is underneath the token and how they performed. Um, some of them perform in exactly the same way as a traditional financial product. So as a result of all of that analysis, we've said, well, where's the greatest need and the greatest risk? And the greatest need and the greatest risk is the points of exchange. It's with those platforms that are holding people's assets and at the moment not holding them with a set of standards which hold them accountable. That's what went on Um, With FTX in the US, they had custody of uh, currencies and they were using them in related party transactions without permission. So there's a whole bunch of those sort of things that uh, need to be looked at, need to be appropriately regulated. Transparency, anti-money laundering, obligations to stamp out illegal and unfair market behaviour, all of these sorts of standard things that you'd expect in any financial market, uh, the sorts of things that will apply to these platforms. Okay. So just to break it down into really simple everyday terms, you know, we talk about platforms and exchanges, but can you explain, you know, the kinds of services these are and what you can actually do to control them? So you're talking about the biggest Australian-based exchanges. So what? Coinspot, Kraken, who are you talking about? They're examples um, of the sorts of platforms and more will emerge. Um, There are literally hundreds and hundreds of them in Australia at the moment. Some of them are large, sophisticated financial organisations. Some of them are a few people with a laptop um, Mm. in a spare room. Uh, What we do expect is that there'll be consolidation within the industry. The regulation will force that and there'll be a consolidation around quality and standards. 
So you've asked me, like, what are some, to make more concrete, what are some of the things that will require these platforms to do? So we're going to ensure that they have proper dispute resolution processes. We're going to ensure that they have appropriate uh, liquidity, that is enough money on hand to meet current and expected requirements. Um, ensuring that they have appropriate records and record keeping and they're reporting to the financial regulators and ensuring that they're monitoring and disrupting any poor market misconduct. They're the sorts of things that currently apply to any market platform in Australia. They don't yet apply to cryptocurrency platforms in the whole and we're going to ensure that they do. But we'll also ensure that um, there's some new specific uh, arrangements that apply to uh, crypto platforms and they ensure that they have standard form contracts for the platform. So for people who are purchasing services off that uh, platform, that there's a standard plain English contract which sets out rights and obligations of consumers, that there's minimum standards for holding tokens, that there's standards for the custody software and that there are standards when they're transacting in tokens. These are all consistent with regulatory moves that have been made in Singapore, in Canada, in the, mm. in the EU and the UK. So what we're doing is consistent with what has gone on in other regimes and it should give both investors and consumers a lot of confidence. And so when are you going to do this? So we've got a very a short consultation period out between now and the 1st of December. We've put out a very detailed framework for what we're proposing to do. Just want to consult with stakeholders to ensure that we've got the details right. We'll then convert that uh, into draft legislation, which we should have back out to industry uh, early next year with a view to legislating next year and um, giving industry a, a decent 12-month lead-in so that they can get their house in order. Stephen Jones there, Minister for Financial Services. And this all sounds fairly sensible, I've got to say. It's a plan that appears to have bipartisan support. It was something the Morrison government was actually working towards, and now the Labor government are bringing it to fruition. And clearly, as we were discussing there, there's a lot they can't control in this space, but regulating the exchanges is a good start. And to hear that other countries are also regulating their exchanges means that Australians that don't necessarily use Australian-based exchanges can still have, I guess, some faith that some of those big exchanges overseas will also be regulated in a similar way to the Australian ones. So it seems like slowly the governments here and around the world are catching up with this emerging technology and investment class. 